Fair Care. As you can see, I am in a new location this week. I'm uh, Skyping to you from my hotel room in a little spot where I'm having vacation, enjoying a little time away, which is really fun. However, I know that this is kind of an important thing, so I am going to go ahead and work on our weekly podcast. And this week, we are continuing our series on the top eight topics here on the Fair Care website. It, uh, once again, we have a tie. And this week, the tie, it kind of goes to two things that are the same topic, so I put them together. And that is the reason for no contact, we call it the purpose of no contact, and also kind of tied with that one are the sample no contact letters. So I wanted to talk to you this week about about no contact. So we'll be talking about why no contact is so important, how it should be uh, immediate, absolute, and permanent and then maybe some sample ideas of what some no contact letters should be like. Let's let's jump right in. This one may be a little bit of a shorter podcast because hey, I'm on vacation and you know, people deserve to have a little fun, right? <laughs> so, our topic is uh, the the no contact and the the page that is the most, you know, one of the more popular pages on a fair care is the the purpose of no contact. It's one of our articles. If you want to go on our articles page, you'll see an art, the article is entitled The Purpose of No Contact. In that particular article, uh, we do discuss that, like, the, the reason we wrote it was people were writing, well, why can't you just end the affair? What's the purpose of sending the no contact letter? Or even, honestly, why end contact with the affair partner, so to speak, like in an official way? And there are actually uh, several good reasons for for this. The first that springs to my mind is that when you're uh, in an affair, you're actually living in a world that is uh, it's a fantasy. You are carrying on a fantasy in, in two worlds. The one world is the world of the affair, which is built on, at minimum, stretching the truth, and actually is probably more like, uh, at maximum, outright lies. You're outright lying about who you are, you know, whether you're married. A lot of people will lie about whether they have children, whether they have, what their financial status is, all kinds of lies. So that's fantasy world number one. And then on the other hand, there's their real life. Uh, they're living in the, the, you know, the present world with their spouse and their children and their bills and whatever it is that's kind of you know, it's bugging them um, that they're trying to escape. So a fantasy is a, a life that's, it, it's built in two worlds, right? The fantasy world and the real world. And what happens then, the loyal spouse discovers the, that the affair is going on, and at that point, the couple is at a crossroads. Now, the person who has committed the affair, at that point, they have broken the vows. And this is in Matthew, and um, these, this is the one exception that Jesus did give as a moral reason for divorce, which is sexual immorality. So the loyal spouse would have the moral permission, if you will, to choose to divorce their spouse because they committed adultery. The disloyal spouse does not have that option from a moral point of view. 
they they were the ones who broke the vows, and they do not decide from from a moral point of view, from a biblical point of view, whether to divorce or not. That's up to the loyal spouse. Now, loyal spouses, I will say that that Jesus has told us to to love our enemies and to forgive. I do believe if it's if it's possible and you can uh, choose that, I would encourage you to to consider reconciling. A lot of times loyal spouses want to reconcile, but unfortunately a lot of times what loyal spouses really want to do is to, quote unquote, make it the way it was. <laughs> and it's never going to be the way it was any, anymore. Um, so once that affair is discovered, the couple is at a crossroad and the loyal spouse is the one who's going to be deciding whether to reconcile or not. When the couple chooses, or you know, when, when the loyal spouse, I guess, basically, but when the couple chooses to remain together, what would happen is that, that, that you, sh um, the disloyal spouse, that should mean that you bring your marriage back to life. I would say prior to the affair, um, not always, but chances are that there was, there were some issues in the marriage. Clearly, during the affair, there were issues in the marriage. And um, now that you've hit the crossroad, you know, you're at the this, this spot, if you choose to remain together, what you need to do is to breathe life back into your marriage and bring it back to life. Okay, so um, you, you have a chance when you are uh, choosing to remain together to, in, uh, to, to teach your children by the way that you live and the way that you act what real commitment is. It's not easy. If you make this choice that you're going to remain together and you're going to reconcile, it is, for both spouses, it's not easy. The loyal spouse is going to have to uh, look at themselves, look at their side of the road, see if there's any things they need to clean up and admit where they need to look at themselves in the face of the fact that their spouse went outside the marriage. And that's really hard because honestly, most people don't want to look at themselves. They want to point the finger and blame someone else. Uh, likewise, the disloyal spouse is going to have to humble themselves to admit that they were wrong. <laughs> they are also going to have to admit that they need to change and to work hard to change. They're going to have to look at themselves and look at identifying what did I do wrong? And not only stop doing the wrong, but start doing the right. So there's a lot of work to be done and it's not easy. Reconciling means that you're committing to some painful uh, decisions and some painful processes such as I will continue to work at this until I get it loving you right. I will continue to put you first. I will continue to be honest when I'm afraid to be honest. Stuff like that. It's very hard, very scary, and it can be very painful. But you're committing to it, and you're going to indicate, look, commitment to your, to your children by the way you act. Commitment means when you make a promise, you keep it. Okay, so it's a really good thing. And probably the very first step that you can take toward bringing about reconciliation is no contact. There's three parts to no contact. It has to be immediate, it has to be absolute, and it has to be permanent. The reason is that 
If you continue on with contact with your affair partner, you continue to do damage to the marriage. Now, let's see. There was already a nuclear bomb dropped. It's already rubble. And if you continue to drop, um, you know, regular bombs onto rubble, you do more damage. I don't care how Casper Milk Toast your spouse is, eventually their love for you will run out. So you need to go to no contact. It needs to be immediate, okay? Uh, your affair causes damage, just like I was discussing. No contact is the first step that you can take uh, to show your spouse that you are willing to really dig in and work to save this marriage. So the longer you delay it, the, the more that you are delaying the healing, you're delaying the repair, you're causing more damage, it's, it's making it worse. So you want to do it as quickly as possible. Think of it like the ER. You want to get to the ER as quickly as possible. You don't want to like, well, I think I'll think, maybe I'll gradually work my way toward the ER. No, you get there. And this is the same here. You want it immediate. Um, the second step, it has to be absolute. What I mean here is um, a lot of people think, well, wouldn't it be more empathetic if I sort of gradually tapered it off with the other person and then we sort of mutually agreed to sort of contact less and less until finally we just sort of drift apart? And the answer is no, it wouldn't be. It might be uh, somewhat more empathetic toward the affair partner, and I'm not saying that you should necessarily be like cruel to the affair partner, but the person to whom your honor is due and to whom you owe respect is your spouse because you made promises to your spouse. So it needs to be absolute and the uh, analogy that I give is amputating an arm. If you have a, 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 that kind of an injury where like, you know, your, your arm's been damaged, say like from here on down and it, it, it got crushed under a car, okay? If you leave the arm on um, and don't do any medical attention to it, what will happen is eventually the crushed part will start getting gangrene and the gangrene will kind of take over the body and eventually you would die from it. It's the same thing for your marriage. What you need to do in order to save a person, um, if their arm has been crushed, obviously you'd rush them to the hospital, but the, the hospital people would evaluate and say, we need to amputate. So at that point, you don't take a butter knife and sort of gradually, you know, a little bit cut at it, weak at it. And that's what it would be like to your loyal spouse if you kind of gradually cut off contact with your affair partner. So what do they do? First, they anesthetize the person so that they're not in pain. And then the second thing they do is get a saw and they cut it off. They amputate. Um, it is drastic. It is painful. But it, in the long run, is the most caring thing you can do. It's like, look, if I'm going to have to cut it off, I'm going to anesthetize you, and I'm going to cut it off as quick as I can so that um, the pain is lessened. And that's the same thing here. You want to do it immediately. This is the anesthetizing. Because you want to cause, like, minimize the damage that you're doing to your spouse. Act like you care about them. You know, you're, you're amputating means I'm cutting off this arm. And then you would learn to live without the arm. Um, it's not like the arm grows back. It's not like your marriage becomes like it was. You're going to have to learn to live and adjust to a new way of living with one arm. Um, that doesn't mean life can't be good. 
Uh, it doesn't mean you couldn't be happy and in love. It just means you don't have the arm. And so that's the, the price you pay for having an affair. So in this instance where I was saying it's absolute, you cut it off. You amputate. Uh, by not amputating, you do send a message to your spouse. You spend a couple of messages to your spouse. Uh, the first one being that you're not really committed. You, you may, your mouth may say that you are, but you're not demonstrating actual commitment to them. You're actually showing your commitment, your loyalty to the affair partner. Uh, you're also sending the message that um, that your spouse is basically like your second choice or plan B. You know, if 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 this affair thing kind of falls through, I'll fall back on you. And, you know, who wants to be, like, the second choice? So that's not cool. And unless you send in the message that, um, that you do not respect your spouse. This is not where you want to go to be building your reconciliation. You want to be um, sending the message that you respect them. Okay, uh, then the, the last part, it's, uh, it's immediate, it's absolute, it's also it's permanent. You will never, ever, 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 ever again converse with, do lunch with, go visit, drop a line, send a message, tweet with <laughs> your affair partner ever again. You in no kind of way have any kind of contact with them ever. The thought with this one is that the commitment is, I, you know, you're never going to contact them. But he, like I said, you know, when your spouse has your spouse has only so much love uh, in their fire for you so the most Casper milk toast spouse is going to have like there's just so much love well every time you keep doing damage it's less it's less it's less it's less eventually they'll run out of love so you want to end it forever and never ever contact them again not, not even like 10 years down the road when you're just thinking to yourself oh I kind of wonder what they're up to doesn't matter don't look don't recontact them. Don't let them. If they recontact you, just delete it. I mean, you can show your spouse, but I'm just. Uh, I just mean, don't respond to them in any kind of way. If best of you, just leave them blocked for the rest of your life. And just a note on this one: that also means that you would end all contact with your affair partner's relatives, your affair partner's friends, your affair partner's coworkers, uh, their acquaintances. Every you know, everybody that. Like, if you have friends on Facebook that were also friends with you, you're going to have to end those friendships. And that's the cost of committing adultery, is that you lose those friends. Again, this is a, a commitment to a very painful thing for disloyal spouses, because most of those, it's not just the affair, but it can be friends and, and their relatives and people who knew them as a, as a, a couple. Those can be people that you kind of care about, right? And, and you have to say... Yes, I am committed to my spouse more than I'm committed to all these people who knew us as an affair. So when you say no contact, it's not only with your affair partner, but also with anybody else who could have a hidden connection to your affair partner. So that includes all those, all those people, the coworkers, all those people, the acquaintances, friends, people who knew you that way. Okay, when it's when you're ready, you're going to do the no contact, um, I would suggest going to, we have on, on the articles page, again, it's the sample no contact letters, and it's just like that, you know, sample dash no dash contact dash letters, and we have six samples on there for you from which you could choose. 
Uh, I have uh, sample number two, which is kind of rewritten um, in like, you know, fancy, fancier looking italics and stuff for sample number six. Um, it's like just reworded very slightly, but that's my favorite one by, by far, sample number two. And that's because, you know, we had a really big article, a blog on the Ask a Fair Care where the person would say, aren't you being kind of heartless? You know, aren't you, you're, you're uh, no contact letter to the other, you know, the other spouse, the other woman or the other man. It, it's so cruel. You know, they were people too. And Jesus wouldn't ask you to be all cruel to people and stuff. Look, I want you to understand when you write your letter, your goal is not necessarily to be cruel to the of the other person. That may end up being kind of how they feel though, because what happened is they made choices in their life to become involved with someone who was not available. <laughs> and unfortunately, the price of becoming involved with someone who is not available is that you are treated badly sometimes, and you are treated as less than because from a legal standpoint, at minimum, and from a moral standpoint, you don't have the standing of a spouse. A spouse has legal standing and a spouse has moral standing and the uh, the person you know the mistress or the 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 you know male lover they don't have legal standing and so unfortunately it's like a, a byproduct when you write your letter your goal though is not to humiliate or you know talk badly to the other person but rather what you want to do is to just state to them right out that the way that you acted with them was wrong, that it hurt your spouse, that you've decided to reconcile and you will no longer hurt your spouse. Thus, you are legally indicating to them now you want no further contact with them in any way. And the idea that it's written down, then you give it to your spouse for them to review so that they are the one who sends it. The, the loyal spouse sends it to the um, affair partner. And the you put that on your email the return address that it's from the the loyal spouse so that the person knows look this isn't just you know i was forced to no 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 everybody knows about this affair now it's not a secret anymore it's not you know blah, blah, blah. and we that's to say the two married people are on the same team now if there is then further like like the the affair partner won't go away they won't stop contacting whatever you have this letter that says look we asked them in writing to stop contacting here are all the instances where they tried to contact again now we need a restraining order because if they won't do it voluntarily and stop contacting us we will do it legally if we have to this is our uh, our topic uh, this week i know it's a little bit shorter than usual but you know still hopefully a pretty good listen <laughs> I should be back at home next week for our regularly scheduled podcast. And um, I have to be honest with you, I'm not sure what the topic is next week because I have my notes back at home instead of here on vacation. So I look forward to seeing you again next week. If you're uh, watching on YouTube and you have little comments, please leave them here um, on the YouTube channel. Or likewise, if you read, you know, kind of watch it on the blog, the, um, you know, please leave a comment. I will be happy to, to write back and forth with you or hear what you have to say or what you think. And then likewise, if you're listening on iTunes or Stitcher, you know, please feel free to email us anytime. Uh, our email is 
affaircare at gmail.com. And usually, uh, you know, pretty often it would be me that writes back to you, but sometimes it'll be my dear hubby, David. You never know. He's kind of quiet, but he does like to write emails. So. <laughs> so, okay, I'll see you again next week. And thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great night. Bye-bye.